On another exciting episode of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, not only did Invincible drop details on their release date for Season 2, but we got a special. Invincible presents... Adam Eve, now present... Now streaming on Prime. Those are a lot of tongue-twisting words. We're going to talk about that much more right these outs you have no control over. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah, welcome back to another episode of Animation Deliberation, the podcast where we take action, animation, and cartoon seriously, but not too seriously. I'm Zuhara Lee. And my name is Jay Scotty St. Clair. And boy, do we have a lot of news. We have San Diego Comic Con last week. Uh, we got some trailers, we got some announcements, we got some dates. How'd you feel about it all? Uh, I was pretty excited about what I saw, but I, I do have to say, you know, it's the weirdest thing. Every time you said Invincible in that intro, I got like hit with this random splash of blood. I don't know where it came from somewhere <laughs> in my peripheral vision. I just had to keep like wiping my face free of blood. <laughs> it's right on your ledger <laughs> that's right uh but no um you know it was it was interesting because with the writer's strike going on and the actor strike going on simultaneously a lot of these big studios um, announced that they would not be really participating in san diego comic-con so there was this question of like what's comic-con gonna look like without all these like temple properties and studios and uh, i had kind of speculated that it might be a return to form in terms of like its roots like it's in the name comic con comic convention so i do think in that regard while i love the the big blockbuster stuff like marvel warner brothers with dc so on and so forth it really did kind of feel like it took a step back and we really got to get some like exciting news from other comic book adaptations like invincible is Mm -hmm. an, an indie comic from robert kirkman and it got to have the spotlight which was great and even on well still in the amazon camp uh the boys like that's also based on a comic book obviously so the fact that these two like any other comic con i feel like they would have been kind of like lost in the mix with a bunch of like castings and future slate rollouts and whatnot it was kind of nice that this comic con got to focus in a little more on some of the um, still really appreciative, but maybe lesser known comic book adaptations out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've made it very clear on the record that I'm not much of a reader. I'm trying to do better about that lately, but mm-hmm. with everything going on for the strike, obviously there's, there's more coming out in terms of animation and comics and uh, readable content. So, as unfortunate as it is that a lot of our properties are getting held back, this is kind of like the kind of like our time to shine, really, hmm. in terms of like the stuff that's coming out. Because as we can see, Japan's not slowing down one bit. Like this is really is something that's happening here. So, <laughs> right in regards to animated content, whether it be Western animation or anime, like there's there's a lot to cover, and I hope that you know everything that everything else that we enjoy consuming in terms of content gets time to kind of like take a step back and reassess and take time with this stuff. So it's not content overload, but Mm -hmm. uh, with the stuff that we do have present with us, it's still an exciting time. Lots to talk about. Definitely. Definitely. And if we can hope anything, we can hope that the big wigs behind some of our favorite, like animated properties and projects and whatnot, that they, 
will learn a lesson from the actor strike and writer strike that's going on right now because it just speaks to like the way the the landscape has changed as like streaming has taken over and the model with through which people consume content has like changed so much like i just hope that we don't have to go through a strike like this with the animation guild because if it does come to pass um, as much as we're enjoying our heyday where none of our productions are being halted and we mm-hmm. get to kind of like step them to the limelight. If the day comes when animators do strike, it's going to create even longer delays for us because animation just takes so much longer yeah. than anything live action. So knocking then, on wood right you know, now. <laughs> a lot of those people cross work with CGI as well. So mm-hmm, that could be right. a whole other issue for as that's, that's not even just our industry. Like that would erupt everywhere <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah Good speaking up. of like consuming content in the netflix platform and stuff like barbieheimer barbenheimer was this weekend uh i only saw one half of that but our oh, theater okay. was sold out yeah like yeah. that was really impressive yeah i saw both barbie and oppenheimer so i didn't see them in the same day but i saw them within like 24 hours of each other so i feel like i did yeah. do the barbenheimer thing and both times like before going into Barbie and after coming out of Barbie, the theater was buzzing, lines out the door, people everywhere, and same thing for Oppenheimer. So that was really, you know, I wouldn't say I'm full on agoraphobic or anything like that. Normally, I prefer for there to be less people than more people mm-hmm. <laughs> around me. But this was one of those instances where it was just really nice. I was like, hell yeah, it's nice to see like the theater this crowded and doing yeah. that well. Yeah. So. Yeah, I saw Oppenheimer, and I was just grateful that our IMAX theater fixed their AC before this came out because oh, they nice. had an issue with that lately where even if there's nobody there, it's just like, we joke that we need to go with beach clothes every time. Right. <laughs> it's just flip-flops, a tank top, and swim trunks. We just know that we're going to be melting, but now it was a, it was a good experience and it's just, it's exciting to see just people appreciating the theater again. Agreed. But talking about streaming, we got a trailer, like a little teaser trailer for season two of Invincible. This is one of the shows that was like early on the on the 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 birth of our show where you were like, hey, check out the show that's coming out. I'm really excited. We should talk about it. And I just looked at the cast and I just kind of like another superhero thing. Yeah, okay, (laughs) Like, it's a cool cast. I guess I guess we can do this one. I'm just like just episode one. What the F did I just watch? (laughs) And every episode after that was. Like that is one of those ones where it's like the whole world was even like, this was unexpected. What did we just watch? When right. is season two coming out? Tell them when season two coming out. Yeah, we got the announcement. We know that we're getting the first half of season two to start streaming on November 3rd. So we'll get that debut episode and then it will release weekly after that point. Um, and then we'll get the second half of the season airing sometime in early 2024. We don't have exact dates for that. And um, as I was doing my research, I I could not find anything that like officially solidified this. But time and time again, I saw various outlets reporting that this is going to be much like season one was an eight episode season. Uh, okay. All signs seem to be pointing to the fact that season two is also going to be an eight sep- eight episode season. So uh, we'll get those first four episodes starting on uh, November 3rd. So then the next three weeks after that, again, I can't find anything to officially solidify that, but that seems to be the case. Yeah. We've only gotten a teaser trailer so far. So I feel like once they actually drop like the full trailer, they might have more details coming out with that. But mm-hmm. I, I love that 
template. It's, you know, towards the end of the year. So it's not conflicting with too much. They have the four episodes out right before the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And then when things slow down again, like early January after the New Year hangovers, that's when we get the other four episodes. So it's perfect timing, perfect placement. And I'm excited to see it. Yeah, yeah, this was like the first real official look at season two that we got because it was a few months back, but I remember we had that kind of like little comedic teaser where it was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Stephen Yoon's Mark Grayson sitting in a diner with Seth Rogen's Al the Alien where they were just having yeah. a very like meta commentary about like when to expect the show to be back. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I really enjoyed this look. It did a great job of kind of like, I feel like it did enough to give me some idea of where the story is going to be going without giving anything away really. And the main things that kind of like stuck out to me is it seems that um, Mark is going to be at odds with a lot of people, including like the government, especially in the wake of like his father, Omni-Man having been revealed to be a Viltrumite and to be a villain. And even though, you know, Invincible st stood up to him, uh, he has Viltrumite blood within him. So I think there's going to be a sense of like paranoia and um, I think they even use the word like if he's going to be out there, he has to have like a leash on. So mm -hmm. um, I expect the first half of the season will probably focus on those themes. They probably won't even have Omni-Man in the picture. And then I bet he's going to like maybe at the very on the fourth episode or something like that, it'll be like a cliffhanger where it's like, OK, we're going to go in the second half, like really dealing with the, the weight of uh, Omni-Man's betrayal or his secret. Yeah, because at this point, like, we don't even have a team like how season one, episode one started with. So I think mm -hmm. there is going to be some form of, like, him needing to have assets and people on his side and stuff outside of just Adam Ease. I'm interested to see how that venture goes and where the trust truly lies and what other ulterior motives could be there. And it's it'll it'll be it'll be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, and if it's anything like season one, we know it will be delivering in terms of the action and the gut punches, as well as the emotional gut punches. <laughs> yeah, that's not a watch before you go to bed type of show. <laughs> Despite the bright color palette, don't be misled, misled <laughs> rather. That's awesome. Yeah, dude, aside from all the, the movie premieres and everything coming out this weekend, I finally got my mental health day at the beach. Oh my God, was it relaxing? The weather was perfect. It was hot, but what kept me refreshed was liquid IV. Nice. It was just awesome flavors. I took the sea berry to the ocean, not to the sea. You don't have seas here, uh, but I took it to the ocean. Super refreshing, especially sitting out. I think we were out there for like maybe six or seven hours. And it definitely did a fantastic job of keeping me hydrated because it has three times the electrolytes of a traditional sports drink that's made with premium ingredients. Oh, excuse me. That's okay. I didn't know if you were taking a pause for me to hop in or... <laughs> now I was trying not to burp right into the mic. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, uh, for my purposes, talking about something I did recently, I uh, had often seen people playing disc golf, and I was always like, you know, that's something I would probably enjoy. That seems like it'd be up my alley. So um, I did go disc golfing for the first time, and I did not play on like a beginner's course i very much played on like an intermediate <laughs> to challenging course where if you make one wrong throw you're going to be hiking down the side of a pretty steep hill like oh geez to go find your disc so um in that regard it was great to have liquid iv on hand again like just throw it in the um the camelback 
sip on it, stay hydrated because that is one of those things, even though it's not like a actively like having my heart rate super up, just the moving between um, one hole to the next and just being out in the sun, like, you know, you, you lose more water and you sweat more than you think you are. And, you, you know, being mm-hmm. exposed to the elements and whatnot, it's just water's one thing, but when you have, you know, triple the electrolytes, electrolytes uh, working to, to keep you hydrated, it's going to make any outdoor activity that much more enjoyable and sustainable. Yeah. I have a desert born skin. So the fact that I actually burn in the sun goes, says a lot for how hot it's been lately. Yeah. We mentioned the flavors and they come in 12 delicious flavors, including the sea berry that I mentioned, strawberry, lemonade, Concord, grape, lemon, lime, pina colada, tropical punch, watermelon, strawberry, passion, fruit, guava, acai, berry, etc. We had one listener tell us how excited he was about the non sugar options. And we had another one text us over the weekend talking about how well she liked the sleep version. It says that she takes it every night before bed and she's knocked out within the hour. Right on. So whether or not you have a day of activity planned or a night of <laughs> Z's to catch up on liquid <laughs> IV is, is your ace in the hole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love how much our listeners are trying different flavors and, you know, trying things out because it really is an ideal, an ideal package. Like it's, it's just so convenient to carry around. It's such an affordable price and it just makes taking care of your health so much easier. Yeah. Why just hydrate when you can liquid IV, put it in your veins. Liquid IV. No, there you go. Right. (laughs) Anyways, get 20% off your (laughs) Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use your code STAYWELMED at checkout. That's 20% off anything when you order. When you shop Better Hydration today using promo code STAYWELMED at liquidiv.com. And this is a purchase you can feel good about because Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. They partner with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. And to date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in over 50 countries around the world. Yay, water. <laughs> H2O. Caterade. H2O. H2O. Electrolytes is what plants crave. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, yeah, we have Invincible Presents Adam Eve. Uh, I did not know that this dropped until you text us and let us know, and I was very excited to watch it. And this did not pull any punches. It was a fantastic episode. We're just, you know, going to go into spoiler. I think it was a perfect time frame. I would love for more projects to come in like this, you know, like in between seasons, just one, one hour episode. You know, I felt like I had a little movie night last night, right? Yeah, right. It was a great story of like how she came to be and, you know, just kind of her journey and how dark her unknown past was. Yeah, sure. I was, I was very pleasantly surprised with the quality of this episode. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, it just kind of really dropped me back into the world of Invincible without having to do like a full season one recap. Just reminded me of what some of the themes are, the level of violence, um, as well as, you know, these characters really feeling grounded in the struggle that they're going through. Although they have these otherworldly powers and abilities, at the end of the day, they are very 
real people with very real problems and issues that they're navigating. And, you know, uh, family can be one of the most difficult things that we have to um, contend with in this life. Mm -hmm. And Invincible is always like kind of hit that head on. And um, that's some of the stuff that always resonates with me the most. Yeah, definitely a tough relationship, especially her finding out that she was adopted and us seeing like how all of that happened came to be her mm-hmm. parents still not knowing this. And I I also haven't had a chance to do a rewatch yet, even though I plan to before season two drops, mm-hmm. but just, I, I, it was enough to make me remember that Adam Eve had these issues with her family, but I don't remember like how much she dwelled into it. Um, but just to see like the social part of it, like who she thought was her best friend, she showed her powers to. And while she did come off a little strong, I mean, 12 year old with powers like what do you expect yeah uh, it was just sad to see that outcome of just non-openness whatsoever and her parents just not wanting to understand her the dad getting sick i hated the dads like just the, just the way that he would just get frustrated with everything all the time and not try to understand and then you had the other the mom like trying too hard to understand just not knowing what to do i felt like the mom took it like she'd handled things as well as she could i generally felt bad for her but just like she was in a sense like given everything that a child would need i guess mm-hmm. like she had the education she had a comfortable home to live in you know she got to go to a what a seemingly good school so you know mm-hmm. but like sometimes the perfect scenario just isn't the remedy either too right so is yeah. to be in that situation because there's sometimes where i'm just kind of like man this person has it good like what are they bitching about Right. Um, but this this was a good look into that perspective of just kind of like there's something else that's going on in this person's head that just they need to express it in a certain way. And just when they get shunned for that, it's just so difficult to live life. Yeah, I, I would like to get into the synopsis just to refresh my own memory as much as like sure. anybody that's listening. But just kind of spinning off of some of the things you brought up, um, I will say that, yeah, the whole relationship with her friend, her childhood friend Val, and when she kind of, you know, comes out for lack of a better term in terms of her powers and the rejection that she faces there. When that scene where she was eating lunch by herself, like that honestly broke me Mm -hmm. because like I, you know, I moved around a lot as a kid and some of the moves and some of the transitions were easier than others. But I do know what it's like to be like the new kid at school and to eat lunch by myself. And like, like season one got me in the final episode with Mark's relationship with his dad and, and the appeal and the love that he still had for his dad while being pummeled by his, by his dad. And then this, this special presentation here, like I, I was, I love Adam Eve. Like she's a great character, but I wondered like, are they going to be able to get me the same way? And sure enough, they, mm-hmm. they found a way. <laughs> so yeah. Great writing, yeah. great storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you writers. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Robert Kirkman and the team that is adapting Seth Rogen, I believe is, is a part of that, uh, that team. As well nice. as some others, I apologize for not having your names at the ready, but you know who you are. <laughs> Keep up the good work. All right. Let's knock out this synopsis and then we can get into all things spoilery. Sweet. 18 years ago, government scientist Dr. Elias Brandyworth disobeys his superior, Stephen Erickson, and leaves with a dying pregnant woman named Polly who gives birth to a powerful metahuman. Brandyworth swaps her child with the unborn fetus of the Wilkins so that she could grow up with a normal family as Samantha Eve Wilkins. As a child, Eve is highly knowledgeable about molecules and admitted to a school for scholars, but longed for a normal life. 
After discovering her transmutation powers, she scares off her only friend and is transferred back to public school for failing class. As she attempts to become a hero, she meets the now homeless Brandyworth. He reveals her origins as a government project and warns her not to use her powers. She later battles a group of deformed children who were the government's attempts to recreate her. After the children die, Erickson captures Eve and Brandyworth. He plans to create better weapons with them and the captive Polly. In the ensuing fight, Erickson kills Brandyworth and Polly. Enraged, Eve breaks through the, the mental barriers that prevented her from transmuting living material and erases Erickson's memories. Eve returns home to find her parents upset at her. You killed my family that I didn't know that I had and didn't know that I loved. Oh my god, was that such a powerful line. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was just such a sad way to go, like to finally have this relationship with Brandyworth and get answers about who her mom is and why she has his powers. And like, uh, she tried the superhero thing and like these essentially super villains like just hit her out of nowhere, like really early in her yeah. you know, heroing career. So right. It's just like, oh, sorry, I had to learn so quick, kid. It was just, you know, like the Uncle Ben of it all. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting how the like the escalation of the story, like the violence kind of escalated as it was going on, like her early super heroics. Yeah, she was dealing with a lot of, you know, turmoil and um, confrontation in her home life and her school life. But her early super heroics weren't anything like too gratuitous. Like she had that run in with the guy named like, I think his name was Kill Cannon because he said something about like the name is Kill Cannon, not mm. whatever Cannon. Uh, but as like the story kept ramping up, the violence just got more and more intense till eventually she, there were like instances where she was just covered with blood. And then um, her having to go up against like, what was it? Phase two, phase three, phase yeah. four, who were revealed to be her siblings. And like they, their skin is like actively melting off their bodies and they're all steamy. Kind of reminded me of Titans in, in that regard. Yeah. They just couldn't keep their like physical composure one bit. And, yeah. Just yelling about like all we have to do is hear about you and how perfect you are and how we could never talk. Just like, geez, like I'm really yeah. sorry for you, but like who let you out? It shocked me when I found out who was the voice of Phase Two. Her brother it was Jacob Tremblay. Why do I know that name? He's he's really been on the rise. I think he's like 14 years old at this point, but he he was in the movie Wonder where he like had a deformed face but he got his start with like uh brie larson in the movie room and then recently he voiced uh flounder in the little mermaid but he's oh, definitely okay, nice. he's definitely an up-and-comer but i was i was really surprised to see him included in the uh the voice cast and that's one thing i love about amazon is they have that, that yeah. x-ray feature when you pause it tells you exactly which characters on screen like who they're portrayed by or who they're voiced by which because of that, I got really sad when I saw Lance Reddick. I mean, like I heard oh, yeah. his voice right away too, but I wasn't. Of I didn't know how much stuff he had in the pipeline. Sure. Yeah. But like, whenever I play Destiny and there's a new cutscene, like his voice still comes up. So I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. Because he's one of the main characters, uh, Zavala. Okay. And when he came up in that, it was just like, oh, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> yeah. He features prominently in um for in Horizon like Zero Dawn and the uh, the sequel Forbidden West. So. Okay, if um, I ever play that, at least now. Ooh, enough. you should so you it. Should, it came you in like my bundle, but oh, you should I haven't play it. around to it yet. So good, so good. Good to know. 
Uh, I guess while we're on the subject of the voice cast, uh, I re- uh, so Brandyworth, I did not recognize Stephen Root as the voice, but that just goes to show the versatility of Stephen Root, who you've definitely seen Stephen Root in some stuff. Like he's known for a lot of the comedies he's been in. He was in Office Space. He was in Dodgeball. But then uh, in King of the Hill, he was Bill Dotry. So that's probably one of his like most well-known voice performances. But uh, yeah, I thought he completely transformed into the role of, of Brandyworth. I didn't recognize him at all. You homeless creep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We didn't, I, get a, we didn't get Bridget from community reprising a role as Samantha. Cause they went with somebody younger for this, but this, mm-hmm. this kid did a really good job. Yeah. I was, that's, was, that's where I was going to go with it too. We did not have Gillian Jacobs and it is pronounced Gillian. <laughs> it looks like it's spelled Jillian, but it's pronounced Gillian. I've done my research, um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought it, I thought Andrew. it made sense. Yeah. I, I, they actually, they had like two or three different voice actors for uh, Samantha Adam Eve as she was like, you know, Makes growing sense. and mat- maturing, but it looks like uh Jaslyn Ione or Ione uh, was the one that voiced her once she like hit that 12 year old age and, yeah. and kind of going forward from that point. One part that I was, really impressed with and it actually like stop like maybe kind of like stop and just like appreciate mm-hmm. uh not only the camera angles on the highway scene and like how it was doing like the vertical um pans and stuff like when she was getting flung around but mm-hmm. the i don't know why this impressed me so much but the grunting between the two whenever they were fighting like hmm. whenever they took a hit or you know were like exerting or using their powers and stuff I don't want to say that it was extra, but like you heard a lot more of it than you typically would, because sometimes they get to the point where it's like music takes over. So you don't have to focus on the uh, 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 and the things of that sort. But like, sure, they do, Invincible doesn't do much with music, which kind of pushes the intensity of the scene a lot more, especially when it's something sudden like this fight scene was. So mm-hmm. I was paying more attention like to those grunts. And it was just really impressive, like how much they were putting into it. Like nothing sounded redundant it was like they were actually in that fight yeah interesting that you picked up on that because i know at one point in time i was trying to like focus in on the music and see if any of the music stood out to me and um again i sometimes it's sometimes that's a compliment to say that like the music didn't stick out to me so much but i think that's just kind of a testament to how good a job it did to where it it Mm -hmm. did what it was supposed to do in terms of heightening the action without being distracting in any way and I didn't necessarily pick up on the grunts like you did, but I think that's something that Invincible has always had going for it is its sound design like really yeah. helps, you know, sell <laughs> the impact and like grotesque nature of some of the bodily harm that's endured by these characters. <laughs> it really helps make you cringe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And Fatality. uh Yeah. One thing I found myself kind of like contemplating as I was watching is like in season one, it was kind of a given that like, okay, Adam Eve she's kind of a riff on Scarlet Witch. Like, you know, she even looks like her a little bit similar outfit. It's not about that. And well, they talk a lot that she's like changing reality and that's like what, you know, yeah. Wanda's all about. Like she, in this one though, having, you know, seen Miss Marvel, I was like, okay, her powers are very Miss Marvel. Like she creates yeah. these little platforms that she like dances around or like hoverboards on and whatnot. So it's um, it, light based. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting how my view of her powers, set has changed in the in the course of a couple of years of having mm-hmm. you know 
multiple properties that I can compare it to come out. But uh, yeah, when she made the when she settled on the disc to float on, I thought static shot right away. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that got me excited. And then, of course, the one text that I sent you because I was laughing so hard. The villains at the beginning. Oh, the right. Lizard League. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, bro, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Which um, I'm glad you bring that up too, because that is something I have like a question about. So it makes makes me wonder about like how this episode was created or produced. And I think the fact that like we got introduced to this Lizard League, which is obviously a rip on like the Serpent Society from um, I know they're one of Captain America's like enemies, but they're just yeah. like Marvel enemies at large. Like I think they popped up in um, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, yep. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yep. That's the only reason I knew them. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, but so they set them up in the opening scene and like we got to see an earlier version of the Guardians of the Globe than what we saw in Invincible Season 1. Like we see a young black Samson. There's a green ghost that's more masculine than the one that we were introduced to in um, uh, Season 1. But I did ha- find myself kind of wondering in retrospect, like why did they show that scene? It didn't really end up like factoring back in in a big way. Like they talked about like bringing in the recruits and like, I could see how like that's a natural transition to be like, okay, who are the recruits? Well, we know Adam Eve is one of the recruits. Let's look at her and explore her backstory. But um, it did just kind of make me think, especially like looking at the voice cast, like um, for the lizard league, they had Tatiana Maslani, Phil Lamar, uh, Jacob Tremblay coming back um, to voice the Prince lizard and, and stuff like that. So it did just kind of solidify for me, like maybe this was a part of season two that they decided to just kind of like at some point, probably early on. Oh yeah. Lauren Cohen as a uh, war woman uh, coming back on the, uh, the guardian side of things, but uh, I'm getting distracted here, but uh, yeah, it just made me kind of wonder like at what point did they decide to kind of like pivot and make this its own thing rather than be a part of season two, because I expect the lizard league and kind of an exploration of what the guardians of the globe looked like in earlier iterations. I expect that to come back in, in season two in a bigger way. I think it's because they killed him off so quick. It was just an opportunity to play with those characters again. Maybe, but it really did come down as like, they just wanted an opening to set up the story of Polly and Brandyworth getting them out because that was the facility they were in. Oh, was it the same facility? Yeah, so when when they were fighting and the building was coming down, that's when Uh the transition to Brandyworth coming, pulling Polly out. She's like, you have two more weeks, but you're going Uh, to labor right now. Good call. Uh, So I think it was just a good way to kind of like bring back characters that we're not going to be seeing much of and just tying it into the story and the origin of that. Okay. Um, So that's why she didn't make it is because she was like in a proper setup, but they had to get her to a hospital. And that's when... He got into a car and the general was like, get your ass back over here. It's just like, right. nope, screw you and throws the phone out. Right. Yeah, so that's where all of that tied up. Okay. Well, I'm glad you picked up on that one because like, I don't know if I looked down for a second or got distracted, but yeah, that's, that, yeah. Was, that was totally lost on me. And I found myself at the end. I was like, I really like that, but I was expecting that, uh, that scene from the beginning to factor back in in some kind mm-hmm. of way. So. Yeah. Even in our synopsis, like it talks about Brandy worth taking poly but not that the fight was what caused that building to collapse to begin with mm. yeah okay i'll buy that so yeah it was it was cool seeing all of them and i like that um the one human in the group is the one that didn't make it he was like yeah he's still recovering from our last fight 
Oh yeah, yeah, Darkwing. Yeah. 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 And they're talking what... about like uh Red Rush was in Russia. Russia, yeah. <laughs> and then Russia. um yeah. Martian Man was on another mission somewhere. Right. Yeah. AKA they couldn't get those voice actors in time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I'm sure that could be a factor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this, uh, this was definitely, you know, an exploration of Eve's character and just getting to see her origins a little bit more and, and understand some of the angst and trials and tribulations that she's gone through and how she really did decide to, you know, pick up the mantle and become a hero, even um, at the cost of her own safety. And unfortunately, it ended up costing her, uh, you know, any kind of semblance of like having connectedness to uh, her actual family in terms of her mom, Polly, which is absolutely devastating to think that she's dead. But then she's actually just been in this vegetative state. And her body's just been used to basically breed like that is messed up, like so messed up. Yeah. Yeah. And then, the, yeah, the fact that she just gets saddled with this family, it's, it's like they were so overjoyed when they thought they lost their daughter and then had her return to them. Like mm-hmm. you would think that she would be like their miracle child and that they would just like shower her with love and affection. And yeah, they take care of her like physically and in, in, in a material sense and, and whatnot, but it's just clear that they do not understand her in any real way. And the, uh, the dad, like we saw in season one, how toxic the relationship uh, with her dad is, but just kind of seeing the origins of that was pretty tough. And then um, you kind of talked about, the mom and some of her, you know, her uh, mistakes there. But I really think her mistake is just kind of being weak and being an enabler to the father. And then eventually, you know, like wanting to have it both ways, be an ally to both sides of the party. Like Mm -hmm. um, she just ends up, you know, really, um, really falling short of, of, you know, her protective role as a mother or, or Samantha. I mean, like her little things, like leaving the sandwich at the door for her, and then the, yeah, that was cute. The yeah. surprise birthday party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just kind of like, oh, as soon as they came in, I was like, uh oh, this is gonna end well. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I, I felt really bad for her. the whole thing with the Legos. I really loved that scene. How oh, excited that was awesome. the babysitter was of like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna ace this test because of you, and she's just like having so much fun putting it together. But they looked at it as a bad thing. It's like she's just weird. There's no way she could understand chemistry like that. Just like, yeah. Eh. Have have you ever read the book or seen the movie Matilda? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. It's a roll doll story. And uh it just it was one of my favorite movies when I was growing up. I think it came out around like ninety six, maybe ninety seven or whatnot, but it's very similar. It's a young girl uh gets adopted by a family and she ends up having mental powers and she's just like completely estranged from her adopted family. And just has these abilities that they can't understand at all. Mm. So I was like, at a certain point, I was like, okay. So I know there's somebody out there listening, probably TJ Stafford, because he <laughs> and I seem to have very similar upbringings in terms of in terms of like the content we were exposed to when we were growing up. But at, at a certain point, watching this, I was like, okay. So Adam Eve is Matilda. It's like I can rock with that. <laughs> I mean, this series draws inspiration from a lot of stuff, so I can yeah, see yeah. that being one of them. Yeah. Um, what'd you think about the um the little bit of inclusion we had with our title character um invincible mark and his mom and and omni man there i i loved 
every bit of it. It was one of those things where it's like, this is supposed to focus on Adam Eve. Like, do I really need this? But it was really well done. It was like, what, like not even a five minute scene. Oh, not even anywhere close to it. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to be duct tape, man. And she's like, all right, I'm going to go clean the duct tape off of him and you can finish dinner. And just the way that his blood started boiling was like, yeah, monster. But then he puts his like head into his hand and I'm just kind of like, where are you at here? Like, I know we speculated a lot when we were talking about season one about what was the, the race of vet, vet Viltrumite Viltrumite. Yeah. But he might be considered one of the weak ones. And that's why he was sent to earth. And like, is he going to be joining them? Is he going to be fighting them? Was he trying to like get his pride back? And I was being bullied again. So it's like, I'm, I'm wondering like if this vulnerability is really there or if it's like towards how he sees himself, like, it's just that that one that one scene of just closing up to his face like said so much. It was so powerful. Yeah, yeah, so much rage and so much intensity as he clenches his jaw. But I, my takeaway was it like even though what we saw in season one, like he does seem to be very resolute in what he has to do and and unwilling to compromise. I still think um, there's some part of him that as a father has some care and affection for Mark. So Mm -hmm. it's like, yes, there is frustration that the powers haven't manifested yet. And he might just be a a human kid. And there's going to be consequences that come with that. um, As you know, he is a loyal Viltrumite, but yeah, uh, it's just, it's tough just to be, you know, put in that position. It doesn't redeem him in any way, but Mm -hmm. if he's going to be a bastard that I hate, at least he has, you know, some, three dimension to him. Uh, and it was just, it was that even though we only got like collectively, maybe like 30 seconds of, of screen time, may, maybe closer to a minute if you count the, uh, the opening scene as well, but it was all, everything we saw from him there coupled with the one line that he got in the season two trailer where it like lists this stacked cast that we're going to see in season two, including Tatiana Maslany, Sterling K Brown, uh, why is his name escaping me? Uh, the guy that voices Sonic, uh, John Ralphio. Oh, um, he just he just popped up in the Bad Batch season two. Ben uh, Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. Thank you. That was gonna kill me. Uh, he's gonna pop up, and I think he even had a line of dialogue. But anyway, you go down this list of names, and they're like, and of course. J.K. Simmons, and then it just flashes to him. He's like, you should have died at birth. Like, what the? <laughs> That's the one line of dialogue you give him. So it's like, you, I, unless they're subverting expectations, like, really hard, um, I have to imagine that that line is spoken to, to Mark. So. Did you watch the trailer before you watched Adam Eve? Uh, yes, I had seen it okay. w- at least once before I watched Adam Eve. So because of like my time constraints yesterday, like I just started watching the episode. Like I sat down, I was like, I have to watch this before tomorrow so I can record. Yeah. So I hit play, started watching. And then like it said, like play next. And I was like, there's another episode. So I hit it. And then that's when I saw the trailer for the first oh, time. Right. Okay. So it felt like um, uh, Captain America first Avenger for me, where like I watched the movie and after the credits, I got a little teaser trailer. So nice. it, was, it was just fun watching it that nice. way. That is cool. I got a mid end and end credit scene. <laughs> yeah. And you, you kind of talked about how you didn't even know the series was coming out until I let you know, but I think that's kind of, I how just it wasn't was paying for... attention to comic con much. Well, 
that's oh, what I was going to say. Did. I think that's kind of how it was for everybody. Like they made mm-hmm. all these announcements all day and then it was like, oh yeah, this thing's on Amazon right now. Like no promotional material leading up to yeah. it the day before. It was just like, I, I like it when they do stuff like that every now and then. Like I know um, video games Crash. have done that in a couple of instances where it's like, oh yeah, we got this new game and you can download it right now if you want to. Yeah. It's like, yay. <laughs> we'll do the marketing for you, Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I got a question for you wait do you have sure. anything else about the no, I, was, I was gonna open it up to you to ask if you had anything else so if you got questions please fire away so based off of our new guardians of the globe if they were to do something like this as a middle between season two and three who would you want to see in our special origin story for Ooh, that, that's tough um my mind, I did cheat and pull up a list and already have yeah. two people ready for mine, but I'm going to put you on the spot. My mind immediately kind of goes to Robot, but we've already seen so much of his origin story in season okay. one that um, I'm kind of leading towards either Rexplode or Monster Girl. Those were exactly mine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Rexplode simply because I love um, Jake Jason Lucas that much. Yeah, yeah, he's great. <laughs> he's been... Um, He's been the spokesperson or like he's been the voice of the commercials for Dunkin' Donuts for like at least like the last year whenever <laughs> I hear because like listening to podcasts or whatever is and it's like that voice is unmistakable and it's just so, so nice. He's <laughs> <laughs> just such uh, an asshole in the series. Everything that, yeah. everything that came out of his mouth is just incredible. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's yeah. He's a total dick. Uh, but then with Monster Girl, if I if memory serves correctly, she's like aging backwards. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see like what age she was when she first uh, discovered she had these powers and how she got the powers. And uh, I feel like she is one of the characters while she was definitely a more prominent member than some of like, you know, there were a couple of background characters like there was multi Kate. Like I sure I wouldn't mind learning more about multi Kate, but she's not the one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And there was like the, I want to say her name was shrinking Ray or her powers were, kind of like Ant-Man's where she can shrink yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. Rexplode and Monster Girl are, are definitely the ones that come to mind. I, I still would be delighted to get more of Robot's story, but it just seems like that's um, if they have more to explore, it seems like they're going to, they kind of know how fascinating that character is and they're, they're going to find a way to like weave that into the, the plot of the main season. Yeah, because with Adam Eve, it's like we got her general like idea of her story in this season, but like what we watched yesterday over the weekend didn't need to be in the show. Really? Like, oh, no. I appreciate it no. in the format it's in. That's why I'm like yeah. wondering like who else's story like really doesn't make a difference on how the story goes, but I'd like to see. And I think uh, monster girl and Rexplode kind of hit that perfectly. Yeah. And being able to just go like back and explore some of the histories of this world and these characters, like I would fully be on board for like a guardians of the globe movie. Like maybe the first time they meet Omni-Man. That'd be kind of cool to see. Uh, yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> Justice <League. laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, did you have anything else you'd like to say about this special from the world of invincible Adam Eve, or even about season two? No, nah, it's just a pleasant surprise. I enjoyed every second of it, and I can't wait till season two rolls around for Matt Carroll to just be like, I want to talk about it. 
Yeah. Yeah. We can look forward to that day. Um, yeah, I think I'm good. Anything you want to plug or let the people know about? Uh, so surprisingly, this podcast that I listen to a lot, um, the Commander's Declassified podcast reached out to me over the weekend asking if I wanted to record with them tomorrow. Sweet. I didn't ask why they picked me and what they want to talk about. I was just like, sure, let's do it. Cool. Um, I'm not going to talk too much sports over here, but my favorite sports team, the Commanders, finally has a new owner because the douchebag that had it before has been torturing us for the last 24 years. So it's just lots of good vibes and lots of great energy. So I'm just excited to be able to talk to that on what is my favorite fan-run Commanders podcast. Is was that owner that you were talking about? Is his name Dan Schneider? Yeah. Okay. It's like the only reason I know that is AKA because Baltimore. Yeah, the only reason I know that is because whenever I hear his name, is like, is it that Dan Snyder? Is it like the Dan Snyder that was associated with Nickelodeon that like allegations came out against him and he created like so many shows like the like I think he was involved in all that, the Amanda show, Drake and Josh, uh iCarly. I didn't know he was affiliated with all that, but once you said allegations, I was like, Yeah, that probably could be him. Okay. <laughs> Something about people named Dan Schneider otherwise. Yeah. We, uh, we shouldn't laugh, but uh, yeah, as for myself, um, yeah, check out Multiverse News. Uh, it's still the newest show from the Stranded Panda Podcast Network, but really excited to be a part of that. And that seems like it's doing very well. So if you like some of the news that we discussed, we'll be breaking down some of the additional San Diego Comic-Con announcements that came out. So look forward to that. And you can always uh, hit us up for some feedback. You can do that at animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com. And wherever you get your podcast, you can find us there. So uh, obviously you found us some way since you're listening to this right now, but maybe share the show with others if they have another preferred podcast platform. They can find us on whichever one they are. You know what Commander's Declassified Podcast always says? What's Tell that? a friend to tell a friend. I like that. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So tell your enemy as well. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And yeah, just uh, support all our social medias. Give us a rating, a review, share us, like, subscribe, all of those wonderful things. And thank you so much for listening and for tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. And as always, stay whelmed. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. <laughs>